Hi, this is Rachel Miller, and welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. Um, today, I want to talk about a tormenting mind. And uh, I think one of my greatest gifts, and at the same time, my most difficult challenge is my overactive mind and how although it benefits me in a lot of ways uh, i think i'm more creative because i have a very active mind i think i uh i have a drive that is unusual i kind of don't stop a lot i'm always thinking of uh part-time jobs part-time businesses or sorry businesses that I can create so that I have like a part-time job in addition to my real job and all the stuff. And, um, it's like my brain doesn't stop, but, uh, in the same way, it doesn't stop when things aren't going well for me. And, um, and before I quit drinking, that was very painful. It was very painful for me to just constantly be in my head. Uh, you know, there was a guy uh, when I was graduating from high school that passed away in a motorcycle accident. And it was a guy that I had um, been, I had a little relationship with him for, you know, a hot second. It wasn't very long, but um, but he had moved on to somebody else and, and then he passed away and I never mourned him. I was drinking, you know, back then. And, um, and I never, I never mourned it and I was tormented by it. Uh, I, I didn't mourn it until I got sober when I was 42 years old. And that happened when I was, I don't know, 18. And, uh, and I remember my first year of sobriety finally starting to move on from that, you know, it's, that's how tormented, uh, my mind would make me. I just, I couldn't process anything. They say that when, uh, when you're an alcoholic and, and when you start drinking, you stop growing. And I truly feel, felt like. I did not become an adult, become uh, like I was adulting until uh, until I got sober when I was 42 years old. And and that's almost embarrassing to say. But uh, these the when I was drinking, these memories of the past, everything that I ever did, even when I was in middle school like tormented me until I got sober and being sober, uh, the program that I'm in allows you to start looking at all of that, start really looking at it and start talking about why, you know, it's, it's more than going to a therapist. I did that too, because I definitely needed additional professional help. But uh, the program is, is not only a program to stop drinking, but a program for how to live life 
Um, and I mean, just thank God that I, that I am not tormented by that anymore. Um, but I still struggle. I still struggle with fighting that story, that, that narrative that's going on in my head. And, and today it's what lies ahead of me with this broken brain of mine? Um, am I ever going to be able to do normal things again? Am I ever going to be able to drive and ride a bike and, and be on a computer and those types of things without pain in my head? Um, and this is tormenting me. It definitely is. And I, I'm just at the beginning and, and that's a reason why I'm doing this sharing it in a podcast is because um, I have to get it out of my head. And I have found that the only way to heal and the only way to not go crazy is to share. And, and I need to be honest and, and honesty for me is, is not, not, not just not lying but honesty for me is not hiding, not acting like everything is okay when everything is not okay. And I have been acting like everything is okay um, since I had my stroke. I have been scared. When I first had my stroke, I was really scared. I was scared that, um, that I was gonna have another stroke. I was scared that I was going to die. Not necessarily, I mean, yeah, I was scared that I was going to die, but I was very much consumed with the idea that um, my kids were going to lose me at such a young age. And, um, and I just was living through those ideas. I was, I was living through thinking what they would be like without me and, and how devastated everybody, you know, not everybody, but they would be. And, and that's just, why do I do that to myself? It's, it's because I don't know how to not do that to myself. And, and what helps me is talking about it. And I, I don't think I've t- said that at all yet. That was two, it's been two years. I don't think I've said it. If I have said it, I haven't said it in that way. That, um, because I feel a little bit of pain when I share that. And that means that I needed to share it. And so, um, part of, part of my program for sobriety is, is that uh, sobriety is not just not picking up a drink, but it's it's about living with serenity. And I remember the first time I felt serene. And it was like, I just paused. I stopped in my tracks. I literally stopped in my tracks. Because all of a sudden, I took a breath in kind of like when you do tai chi or or yoga and they say take a 
deep breath in, breathe in the good and breathe out the bad. And um, I took a deep breath in and it was so clean and filling and, and was like a relief, you know, to breathe in. And when I breathed out, it was the same. It, there wasn't any bad. It, it wasn't, the good wasn't coming in and replacing anything that was bad. I talk about my dark place and how, um, how I've always stuffed things and, and kept them in. And that's what I, I carried around this just deep, dark, heavy place inside me. And through the program, I've learned to talk about what's in there. And it was not easy. Um, I thought I was unique. I didn't think anybody was like me. I didn't think anybody suffered from the same, the same fears and the same sadness and depression and anxiety. I didn't think anybody felt that stuff. But as soon as I started sharing, I wanted to share a little bit more because when I would share things, people would say, yeah, I know what that feels like. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Are you kidding me? You know what that feels like? That's what I felt like saying, like, you would never understand this. And they're like, yes, I, I totally <laughs> understand what you're feeling like. And, and so that desire to continue to to not feel unique anymore like started to take over me i wanted to talk more and and i have that opportunity to do that in my meetings that i go to i go to a meeting every single day to talk to people just like me who are recovering from alcoholism and and there's there's just it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. I don't want to start a day without going in there and listening to what they have to say and being able to share what, what's inside of me because I get to feel serenity and I chase serenity now. Like I used to chase a drink. I used to, I would have done anything to get a drink. No matter what, I would have done anything to get a drink. If I was out of alcohol, I would have done anything to go to the store and get a drink or drink something disgusting. Um, and so that's how I chase serenity now. I'll do anything to continue this feeling of peace that I have because the more serenity I feel the more room I have inside me for joy and and once I've gotten to this feeling of serenity that first time that I felt the feeling of serenity it was like I had finally gotten to the starting point of the race and I was ready on my toes and ready to move forward to a full recovery. Um, I had been kind of warming up, you know, I'd been going around that track and warming myself up and 
as soon as I had that feeling, that breath, I felt like I was ready to start the real race. I was ready to start life and start towards a full recovery. And and so although it feels good, you know, it felt good, that serenity, I don't feel it all the time, of course. Life happens. And um, and sobriety has allowed me to, along with feeling that feeling of serenity, I feel pain as well in my heart. And and I I believe that I believe that I'm better able to to navigate pain today being sober I I've got this concept of my higher power that I've pieced together like a puzzle and I've talked about it in a previous episode it, it's made up of um, my kids, my some folks that have passed away in my life that I knew loved me and believed in me, and my recovery program, and and a lot of other things, and and I feel like it's made up of these things in my life that have prepared me for where I am today. And if that means, you know, like, like my, my grandparents, for example, um, they've been gone for quite a while now, but I have a picture of them beside my bed and they're laughing in the picture. They're laughing. I think it was like a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day, you know, where the family all got together and had dinner and stuff. Those were some of my favorite memories. And so this picture, there's either either my mom behind them or I'm behind them. I can't really tell. But um, they just look so happy. And beside that picture, I have framed some letters that my grandfather had written to my grandmother when they were probably in their 20s and um and it reminds me of how much love they had for each other how many years they spent together and how much love they had for me and that kind of memory drives me forward it drives me towards serenity um i also have a memory of my father-in-law who uh before he passed away told me that he forgave me um and this is before i had quit drinking and and I know, I didn't know why he was forgiving me. I didn't know what he was forgiving me for, but I knew that day. Uh, I knew later, once I got sober, that 
he was forgiving me because he believed in me. He knew that when it came to the time that I was getting, that I was in recovery and I needed to, um, to practice one of the steps with him and, and, um, and, and ask for his forgiveness that I would have already gotten it. And that is part of my higher power too. So all of these things, um, all of these memories and, and these things that I surround myself with have prepared me for, for what I'm dealing with right now. And, um, and I'll do whatever it takes. And, and today it means I need to focus on my, my eyes and, and my brain. And I was thinking today, um, I was imagining my brain as like one of those eggs, you know, like in high school, uh, in a parenting class or something, they, you have to take care of you, you and a, and a partner have to take care of an egg and make sure it doesn't crack for like a week or something like that. I was thinking about that. I was thinking of a porcelain doll. How would I take care of a porcelain doll? Like, um, I was also thinking of broken glass. How would I carry broken glass in my hand, um, to throw it in the trash can, like so gently and carefully. And, and that's the way that I need to take care of my brain right now. And, and the way I think the only avenue or the only, uh, I guess, way that I can take care of it is by controlling what my eyes see. So making sure that my environment is always calm and dark and peaceful. I've even had um, like candles lit and uh, scented stuff everywhere because I not only I, do I want my vision to be nice and calm, but I want my whole body to remain calm because I don't want my my mind to start tormenting me and thinking about the future. I need to try to stay in this moment. And so um, it's like a freaking spa up in this joint. I am totally serene at all times. That's what I'm trying to do. At least I'm taking lots of naps, um, sleeping a lot. And it's interesting because if I were to sleep this much, before I had my stroke, I would be all groggy and like, I feel terrible. But it actually is like rejuvenating for me. And it feels good. Um, I think I felt a little bit of progress this morning when I woke up. I did not have the hangover feeling as much as I had been having it over the past week. So I had been waking up with a nine hangover feeling. And this morning it was about a seven. And uh, I smiled just a little bit. I smiled just a little bit. 
because that meant that I'm doing something right. And so I need to continue to do that. And so, um, yay, yay me. Um, and one of the, one of the ways also that I'm trying to take care of my brain and my eyes is to stay off of digital devices. So I've, um, I've been using Siri, Siri's become my, my BFF and, uh, Siri is a British man. (laughs) He was an Australian man, but I didn't like the way that, uh, when I asked him to add something to my calendar that he said he was going to schedule it. So I changed him to a British man. So, um, and then I've also got this thing called remarkable and, um, remarkable is something that my boyfriend gave me for Christmas, hoping that it would help me with my head. It's like a, it's a writing tablet and it doesn't have any backlight. So it is just like writing on paper, but you can't, but it, I don't really know how it works. (laughs) If I could look it up on the computer, I would, but it's super easy to use. You just have this pen and, um, and write like paper and you can create new pages and notebooks and folders. And it's like a whole filing system, but yet it's just this like light little tablet it weighs less than a notebook and um and you can handwrite on it and then you can um push a button and it'll change it over to like typed text and so it's been a lot easier on my eyes to use uh i still have a problem focusing on words even when it's not on a computer screen so um so it it's it's still challenging just from the um from the way of my eyes not being able to converge images yet but it's a hell of a lot easier for me than than using a laptop so it converts your handwritten notes to type text and and you can upload and download from from to and from your digital devices and stuff like that. So it's super cool. So that's one another way that I'm I'm taking steps to change the way I do things in order to accommodate for my neurological vision impairment. It seems pretty serious and you can tell that I kind of I'm still blowing it off a little because it's just, I'm like, this is all happening to me. It's weird. It's weird. I'm 48 years old and I had a stroke and now I've got some kind of neurological vision impairment. And yet I look totally normal. I think (laughs) as normal as I ever looked, (laughs) but, um, it, this, this remarkable thing is helping me to, to write down how I feel and to be able to get my thoughts together so that I can share them in the podcast. And, and by doing this, it helps me to stay, stay sober, meaning, uh, keep my serenity 
as close to me as possible. Keep me away from a drink and drug. Um, drives me to, to put my shoes on and go to the gym and, um, and to listen to my audible books. I just finished a book and, um, a fiction, fake fiction. Yeah. A fiction book. And, um, now I'm picking up a book about, uh, stroke recovery. So, um, anxious to listen to more about that and how I can take care of my body and, and recover as best as, um, as best as I'm supposed to. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm ready to step up to the plate and, and kind of swing at whatever gets thrown at me. So, um, and to live just one day at a time like this, just like I do in sobriety, I'm living one day at a time with these stroke symptoms. And, and I know I'm confident, I'm confident that I can find joy like this too, because I am, um, because I'm getting outside of myself and I'm, I'm sharing what I'm feeling so that, uh, so that it doesn't torment me anymore. So uh, thanks for listening. And I will talk to you tomorrow.